Welcome into One and Done Radio. Wherever you are, however you are listening, whether it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Podomatic, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pandora, Podcorn, Podbean, Google Playlists, uh, anything else that is out there, thanks for making One and Done Radio a part of your day. Uh, lots to talk about in this episode. Uh, talk about the Big Ten, how they came out and said Big Ten Commissioner or President whoever, Warren, <laughs> President Warren came out and said uh, Big Ten's done for good as far as the season, as far as fall sports. Talk about that. Uh, give my outlook on the Indianapolis Colts season, you know, being a Colts fan. I'm looking forward to actually what's going on. Kind of about what to expect from the team this year. And finally, I talk about the NBA bubble, how how it's going. And I know I've made some predictions already on the series, and I'm already wrong on some of them. I kind of discuss where I am wrong. All that on the show. Let's go. Uh, so Big Ten Commissioner came out and said, season's over, right? Kevin Warren released an open letter to the conference community just basically stating he's been there's been so much overwhelming and support but at the same time there's also been support in postponing false sports and it will not be revisited what I want to talk about in regards to this situation is the fact that is the reports coming out saying, hey, this vote didn't happen. What was it, the Penn State AD came out and said this vote never happened? And everyone wants to know what actually happened in that room, in that meeting. Was there a vote? Was there something that said, or somebody was there a group of people that actually came together and voted 12 to 2? Even though we are hearing, we keep hearing reports of like presidents from certain schools saying, oh, we'll make football happen. We want football to happen. We want all of that. Is there, is that the case? I will say this. I don't know. I, I, at this point, I don't see Big Ten football happening. Now, granted, Justin Fields has started the petition, right? He started getting signatures. He's at over 200,000 signatures, probably over 300,000 at this point. Who knows? I don't know exactly what the number is. I just know he's gotten some work done as far as the petitions. Will that have any effect? As I said before, no. I don't see it. It did not have an effect. It was a nice gesture. It was nice to see the support coming from fans, coaches, family, players, all that. It was nice to see that. But in the end, it just turns out, like I said, it was the commissioner was going to look at it. He probably would have said, wow, that's very cool to see the support. But I'm not changing my mind. As I've talked about before, there's so much that goes into that's going to go into this season. Why would we have a season when it could affect the Big Ten in general as far as suing? Okay, as I've said, 
We are a Sioux happy country. And people want to sit there and say, oh, well, we won't sue. We won't do this. We'll sign waivers. But as, I, as I've talked about, there are lawyers out there and their job is to do one thing. Even with a waiver, even if you signed a waiver, their job is to find the loophole. Okay? Their job is to find a way, figure out, well, we may have a case here. We should have a case. We got because we can go this route. We can go this way around this waiver. We can do that. That's what their jobs are. That's what the Big Ten Commissioner is worried about. Okay? He doesn't want to miss out on all this money for the season. Okay? He doesn't want to miss out on how much money he could potentially be making by not playing football. You think he wants to miss out on that? No, he doesn't. Not at all. He wants to play more than anybody. I can, I can promise you that he wants to play football. Now, this is the confusing part and the part that's going to hurt the Big Ten. If the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC, one, start a season, and two, finish a season, both on time, or not on time, but just both they finish a season, start a season, and everything works out for them, that is going to look extremely bad on not only the eight, uh, the Big 10, but the Pac-12 as well. Pac-12 follows suit with the Big 10. You don't really hear a lot of... Um, Stuff going on with the big the Pac-12 right now. They're kind of just like, yeah, whatever. We we're stuck. A lot of it's some college teams, and they're all. I mean, again, California teams. Excuse me. And California obviously is a big area for COVID, but so is I mean, pretty much the whole country is right now. I know some states are spiking more than others, more than others. Excuse me, but in the end. The Big Ten is the one that's really making headlines. Why? Because they started this. The Pac-12 only followed suit because of the Big Ten. So that's why you're not really hearing a lot of Pac-12 stuff. As far as, well, why won't Pac-12 needs to play? The problem with this whole situation has continued to be this. Two things. Why did we do this now, a less than a week after we made a schedule? And what about the other teams? What about them? I do believe that if those teams were to play and finish a season, it is going to hurt the Big Ten financially and the Pac-12 financially. Okay? Because think about this. A spring season is stupid. Let's just say that right now. And Nick Saban came out and said it right. It's pretty much going to be like a, a JV season. I mean, he's right. Your star players that are seniors and juniors that are going to go to the draft, they're not going to play. Why would they, why would they play? Think of the toll it takes on a player. Okay? Football takes a toll. Putting somebody to play January to March. Or January to April, or February to April. Who knows? And then expecting them to go to the NFL. 
It's just not going to happen. Then also try to have those same players that are not going to the NFL play another season in August. And people will say, well, Ryan, that's plenty of time for a player to recover. It's really not. Okay? Think about it. That's an extra, like, okay, so when let's say a player gets injured in, like, November. Okay? We play August. We play football in August. So that's what? Like, nine months to recover? Nine, ten months to recover? Depending on when you get injured in November? Where if you play football and get injured in April or March, late March, April, whatever it is. Now you're looking at like five, six months. No, five or four months. That time period, those months in between are vital. And people, I don't think, understand that. And I don't think the Big Ten gets that. Like a spring season is not going to happen. And if it does happen, it's, a, it's like you're, none of your favorite players are going to play unless you knew them coming out of high school and then, boom, they're going to be starting. Like that's, that's the reality of that. So for anyone that thinks spring football is great, it's dumb. Big Ten, the spring football is stupid. It's not going to work. It's stupid. So you're going to get people hurt because of it. Now, Big Ten, again, I just don't think football is going to happen in general. Think about the money you're going to lose, the players you're going to lose. There's going to be a lot of problems with this that they don't understand yet. You are going to lose players. You're going to lose the funding. You're going to lose recruiting. Like you're going to lose out on a lot of stuff. Because why? Think about this. What if this thing is still happening next year around the same time? What if it is? Just what if? If I'm a high school player and I see that the SEC just finished the season and there's concerns that this virus is still around next year, God forbid, you know, I don't think it will be, but I'm no health expert. But if it is, if I'm a player, I'm just going to go play for the SEC, even if it's Vanderbilt, but I could have go played at Ohio State and the Big Ten, but the Big Ten saying, oh, we're probably going to be able to have another season, you know? We, we probably won't be able to do it. Which would be stupid because if you saw the SEC do it, then obviously the Big Ten, you could easily do it. So let's just get that straight. But what if that happens? Now you're losing recruits. It's tough. But in the end, Kevin Warren made his point. We're done with Big Ten. Football and all sports. We're done with them in the fall. And how the spring will look, football will look stupid. But other sports probably look normal or some sort of confinement. Who knows? But football will not be played the right way in the fall. Or spring. In the spring. Excuse me. So the Colts, I want to talk about the NFL. I want give my insight on my team. My team's the Indianapolis Colts, and we are set to, my opinion, actually have a great season. Uh, I've been watching some highlights, you know, I've been seeing, like, reading the news, seeing how we're going to look, and when you actually look at it, we look like we're going to be, on paper, we're going to be a great team. 
I want to talk about my team across the board. Let's start with the offense and obviously at quarterback. And I think this is why I think we've been we are in a all in this year type of season. This type of year. So the Colts obviously So the Colts signed Philip Rivers. And Phil Rivers was is right now on a one-year deal with a potential for another year deal. So he's probably supposed to be our guy for the next year or two. Phillip was had a his, one of his best years under Frank Wright's system over in San Diego, or was it Los Angeles? I don't know. Over with the Chargers. There we go. That works better. I don't know who I don't know what the team was. It must have been San Diego, I think. So that was his one of his best years that he had was with Frank Wright. Now I think I think what happened too was that the reason why the Colts did sign him when they were looking for another QB to sign was the fact that with COVID there'd be less time for another quarterback to come in and learn the offense and learn the learn it all. So I don't know how much more like a like if Tom Brady would have signed with us, he's already said, Oh, it's difficult to learn Bruce Arians offense. Like, I mean, it's definitely definitely hard to learn a new offense when you've been playing in the same one for you know, for a long time. It's learn to it's it's hard to learn a new like skill or a new way to do something, like to, a new way to fold a shirt when you've been doing a a different way of folding a shirt for years. You know, it's you, it's an adjustment. I'm not saying that you can't fold a shirt, but what I'm saying is that when you do something for so long and now you're being asked to change something, and I know Tom Brady has had his inputs on the offense, has said we can do this, has told Arians we can do that. But at the, at the end of the day, you still have to follow the program, the playbook, to a certain degree. Yes, you have Gronk. Yes, you have two great weapons but you still have to follow the program and the plan in place so with philip rivers i think that's why they were very quick to sign him was because hey we don't know what's going to happen but if we need someone to come on in not get any experience as far as preseason knows the offense can come in just plug him in and he's good to go then we need to sign that guy and philip's that guy Jacoby Brissett, he's come out and said that he thinks he's a starting quarterback. And he probably is. But right now, he's not a starting quarterback with us. Okay, He doesn't have a winning record with us. Granted, a few years back when Andrew Luck was hurt, we traded for Brissett, came in, was terrible. Um, but at the end, not all on him. So Brissett is a guy that could... Be a quarterback elsewhere. He is in the final year of his contract. So, and I don't look for the Colts to bring him back, which is why they probably drafted Jacob Eason. Eason is fighting to be the third round, the third quarterback overall, or maybe even a practice guy. Who knows what the plan is, even though I do believe that if they try to go the practice squad route, that somebody out there will sign him before he even hits free agency. Like, they'll claim him off of waivers so for the Colts how 
will the quarterback situation look? I think it's going to look like Phil, Jacoby, and Jacob Eason. Chad Kelly's been around for a few years now, but I don't really think he's the guy that's going to come in and just continue to back a quarterback. One, he's had problems off the field. And two, he just hasn't shown anything. I think that Jacob Eason has a lot more to prove over time than Chad Kelly does at this point. Running backs. I love our running back situation. I love the fact that we have Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. When we drafted Jonathan Taylor, I was very excited. One, he's got one of the best. You can make the case that the Colts are the best offensive line in the NFL. And when you're a running back and you have that, awesome. Marlon Mack is in the last year of his deal. So it looks like after this year, like Chris Ballard, I think he understands that running backs are just like in and out. Marlon Mack has had an injury history, never really been able to stay healthy for a full season. So I do think that does play a factor. I think they want a more physical back that can take the hits. And Jonathan Taylor, he's even said like he hasn't missed time. Like if you look at his like track record, like as far as practice and games, he hasn't missed any time. He doesn't need to, like he doesn't. I think the Colts need that. They need a guy that's tough that's going to be there. Marlon Mack, he's good when he plays, but when he doesn't play, he's just he's just missed, you know? Offensively, too, receivers. We drafted Michael Pittman. Love the pick to go along, T.Y. Hilton. We also have Paris Campbell and Pascal as well. So we got a, pretty much a group of four receivers that have potential to be really good this year along Phillip Rivers. And again, our offensive line, one of the top in the NFL. Defensively, our front, I still love our defensive front and our linebackers as well. Darius Leonard, the big key on defense for us. Uh, I will say it looks like in the secondary, we're going to be pretty good. We signed Xavier Rose to a one-year deal. We do have defensive line with DeForest Buckner. We traded for him. Also signing Sheldon Day along with Justin Houston, who's been there. He's going to still be there for us. So we're going to have a great defensive front. Secondary-wise, we did not we did not pick up Malik Hooker's last year or fifth-year option, so he'll probably be a free agent after this year. So we'll probably have to look elsewhere in the secondary to fill that spot in the draft. And if you do know one thing about Chris Ballard is that he builds through the draft. Uh, he'll add pieces for a one-year deal like he's done, but when it comes to the core of the team, he's building through the draft. Okay. And then I do think as far as a team, our record, I do think we're going to be in the playoffs. I think we have the team and the roster to make a playoff run. Super Bowl, I don't know. But again, the way this team is built, the one-year deals they have signed, it's like we are going in this year to make it happen. Like we've drafted the guys. We've had a few years to rebuild and start and go. This is the way to do it with this with this team and after this draft of what we have. Again, I'm not going to be surprised to make a playoff run through the playoffs. Because I do think that the Colts are built for that right now. With who we have, what we drafted, I think we're ready for that. Um, so the other day I gave my predictions on the NBA bubble games. With those games, I do... Th- See the series that right now I'm surprised with. That's two, two, actually two or three series so far to start off. One, 
Mavericks. After game one. Well, after game one. Because game one, they were, had a big lead. Dallas had a huge lead against the Clippers. And then the Porzingis ejection happened, which I didn't fully agree with. But it happened. And then the lead just started to slip away. Luka tried to do a lot. He was doing a good amount. But at the end, I think it just came down to Clippers just flexed their muscle a little bit. That game, it just took over. But game two, different story. Mavericks came out beat the Clippers, and Luka's come out and said, we can play with them. And he's shown it. Luka had 28 points, 8 of 17 from the field, 8 of 12 from the free throw line. Kawhi Leonard had 35 points, 10 of 21 from the field. Now, if you look at the starters for the, for the Mavericks, obviously Porzingis, a big-time player who, again, wasn't there for the end of Game 1, finished with 23 points. I mean, they won 127 to 114. This is the thing about the Mavericks. Defensively, they're not going to stop you. They're not a defensive team to stop you. Offensively, though, they have the firepower. Like, I've talked about this with my, with people I know, saying, watch out for them. Watch out for Luka. Watch out for... And, you know, honestly, too, this is what's funny, is that he was... Luka was in foul trouble, Okay. He had five fouls throughout the game. And he only played 28 minutes. Imagine if he played more than 28 minutes. Different team. Like, that score probably would have been a lot more. But, unfortunately, he had, he had to play what he had to play. So, imagine that if he would have played more minutes. I got to tell you, what I've, I know I said this. I said, watch out for the Mavericks. They're a team that's re- like that is going to challenge these Clippers, and they've done that so far. First, like these first two games, they had the Clippers and they blew it. Second, second game came out and just showed, hey, that first game wasn't a fluke. Like we're here for you. We're gonna take you on. And Luca just man, he had a move the other day where he just took on Kawhi Leonard, like get off me, and just made the bucket like. Like, Luka's the real deal, man. If no one understands that, he's the real deal. Next. The Magic versus the Bucks. Listen, game one, that was rough. And I picked the Magic to get swept. But game one, they came out and said, no, we're going to be fine. We're going to take him on game one. I mean, Vucevic was insane. 15 and 24, 35 points. I mean, what what can you do with that? Giannis, it's not like Giannis played bad. He was 12 of 25 for 31 points. Like, that's a typical Giannis night. What do you want him to do? He took 25 shots. He made, he was 3 of 7 for the three point line, 17 rebounds, 7 assists. Personal fouls, again, he had 5. But there's nothing much you can do with Giannis. Like, that's his team. I do think the Bucks, I still had the Bucks winning the series. It was nice, though, to see the Magic come out and say, listen, we can play with them. Again, this is what's kind of nice about, well, different about this bubble this bubble system is that there's no home team. There's no away team. Like, this is just basketball. Like, basketball is, like, we find out who the teams are to be. The Lakers right now, I think, should be concerned. Here's why. They have looked terrible throughout the course of this bubble. 
They have not looked great. Oh, they had a good first game against the Clippers because the Clippers did not have all their star players. Good for them. And they have not looked great throughout this bubble. Now, could you say, oh, they're resting? Because Who knows? But the Trailblazers are a team. And I said, like, watch out for them. Damian Lillard is a different animal in the playoffs. I think the key for them, and I just got to say this because I'm not a fan of, I know what makes Anthony Davis great is his versatility. But if you're Anthony Davis, just go down low. Just fight inside. Just play inside more. Stop with the three-point shooting. You're 0 for 5 from three-point land, okay? If you would have taken those five shots, maybe turn them into field goal attempts from like inside the down low in the post or just driving in the lane. Now you, this game probably is a lot different. You probably get some points, some and ones. It's probably a different outcome. Stop the three-point shooting. I understand that's what makes him great. That what his versatility is what makes Anthony Davis a great player. I get that. But what more can he do from outside? Just like just let him just fight inside. Okay, you have signed guys to play outside, right? You signed Danny Green. You got Kuzman. You got Waiters. You got these guys that are who are supposed to be perimeter players. Let them do their thing from the perimeter. You play down low. That's all I'm saying. Those are the three games I want to talk about. Again, I mean, I I predicted the, the Raptors taking down the Nets. That's going So far, it's going no problem. Uh, Jazz did come back in game two, which I'm not surprised. I, don't, I didn't see the Nuggets sweeping the Jazz, but I do have the Nuggets still win the series. Celtics are handling the, the Sixers no problem as well. 128 to 101. Again, these are the series I figured was going to happen. And then obviously this, the game's coming up. Houston leads the Rocket. Houston leads the Thunder 1-0 in the series. And then I got the again, I still have the Heat being the Pacers and then game one or throughout the series as well. That will do it for today's episode of One Done Radio. Thanks for tuning to the show. And be sure to subscribe to One and Done Radio on iTunes. And any questions, comments, inquiries, anything about the show, anything that you want to read on air, you can just send to the email, ryandunnumber one at yahoo.com.